Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Do, do you listen to news? Uh, if you can find it, uh, the we live in an interesting day and age when finding accurate news is very difficult to find. I don't know if you've... Uh, used to pursue news or continue to pursue news, but uh, it's very possible now to uh, see something on our smartphone or in some other device or TV, whatever we follow, and, uh, and it's not true. And uh, we, we then are maybe convinced by it and we continue to chase this uh, story, and very often it leads us uh, on our smartphones into these uh, rabbit holes of deeper and deeper uh, lies and uh, fabrication. Uh, all of us have fallen, you know, prey to that. We've all been part of that. Uh, and we think possibly that this uh, phenomenon is connected to digital technology and social media and such. But however, it's uh, actually been around uh, since man first came uh, because uh, man is deceitful. <laughs> and uh, man has been pers- uh, pushing lies uh, since the very beginning. Uh, started by Satan himself, who uh, told um, Eve that, uh, yeah, it's fine, you can eat this tree. It, it began there. This, so this is great. God's lying. This is true. Eat this. Uh, it began there. So this is part of who we are as humans, is that uh, we tend to lie and we try to convince others that what we're saying is actually true, even though we're lying. So it's no surprise that the command to go to all the world and make disciples of all nations uh, came after uh a conspiracy, uh, uh, an attempted lie, uh, a news media flash that wasn't true, that uh, Jesus, in fact, did not die and rise again, that he was uh, truly dead and that uh, he doesn't live today. This lie has continued to pervade society where people aren't really sure who Jesus is, uh, if he was just a prophet who doesn't live anymore. The idea that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died, that he rose again, he's alive today, it is the truth, but is not what a lot of people believe. After Jesus rose again, uh, people witnessed his, his rising, saw him, spoke to him, including the soldiers who were there who saw this, but the soldiers were convinced with a bribe to not uh, tell the story as accurately as they needed to. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 11 through 20 tells us this story, uh, and I'm not going to read all this to you, but Uh, You can see at the very bottom of these passages here, it says their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. Uh, There are still Jews who tell this story that Jesus actually is not the Messiah, uh, that he did not rise again. If anything, they push him as a prophet, but not the son of God. But he appeared after he rose again. He appeared to many, many many hundreds of people. The Bible tells us uh, after he rose And uh, on this one occasion, he appeared to the 11 disciples uh, on a mountaintop uh, in Galilee. And when they saw him, verse 17, when they saw him, they did what? They worshiped him. But some did what? Some doubted. (laughs) Some doubted what they were seeing with their own eyes. Some doubted. Jesus continued to appear uh, uh, before this. Uh, He would appear, scare everyone. Uh, we're told that uh, many people were were shocked at his presence and seeing him again. But he very gently, sweetly 
reminded them of what he told them before he died and before he rose again. In many cases, he uh, would eat food just to verify that he was truly flesh and blood. Uh, he invited people to, to touch him uh, to verify that truly uh, this is Jesus risen again. This led a, a small group of people uh, to be in awe of him and to then go to Jerusalem to wait for the filling of the Spirit of God so that they too could be commissioned out into a lost world to tell this good news that Jesus Christ is alive, that he's risen. It's good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is alive, that he rose again, and that he paid for our sins. This incredible good news. There were a few who ended up uh, in a room uh, worshiping him. About a hundred, and the Bible tells us about 120. And as they prayed, uh, the Spirit of God descended on them with tongues of, of fire. And uh, because of the Spirit's power, they were able to then proclaim the gospel to what the Bible tells us, every single nation heard the gospel that day. And on that day, over 3,000 were added to their numbers uh, to add to the 120. Uh, this confirmed what Jesus said when he was on earth. He said, when Jesus Christ, when, when I leave, Holy Spirit comes, you will do greater things. And I believe this is what he's talking about, these greater things. It's the gospel advancing and many, many people coming to worship him and to follow him. This was his command. One of the last things he said before he ascended into heaven to be at the right hand of the throne of God, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now this morning, as you listen to this command, you may be processing exactly what everyone did after they saw him. Uh, you're pretty sure he's alive, but maybe you're still doubting just a little bit and not really sure if this is what God wants you to do. All of us in this room have never actually seen Jesus face to face. But if we're followers of Christ, uh, we've been born again, we have the Spirit of God who speaks to us and walks with us. As we heard beautiful testimony this morning uh, from Lange, that the Spirit of God walks with him and keeps him from trouble and, and makes him the kind of person he wants to be. This living God lives in us. That's conversion. Uh, that's transformation. That's becoming a disciple of Christ is when the Spirit of God moves in you. So even though we don't see him face to face, the Holy Spirit moves in us and works in us, the living God. We serve one that we cannot see but we serve one that the evidence of his work is seen by all of us all around us every day of our lives. And he tells us that we believe in him because of what we see and what he's created. We even look at each other and we can see the, the hand of God in every person that's been created. So even though we don't see him face to face, we see him. We see him in each other and we see him in nature. This living God that God has asked us to serve. It's this empowering of the Spirit of God that propelled the church into the world beyond itself and outwards with confidence and courage. Go make disciples, Jesus said, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We've been, we're finishing up a series actually today of, of all the commands of Christ. We've been going through Sunday by Sunday 
identifying each command of Christ so that we can be faithful to observe everything Jesus Christ has commanded us. Uh, this series we've been in for, the, for many, many months now is a result of this commission, Make Disciples of All Nations, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded. But what else was said on that day? Go make disciples of all nations. This instruction, this command is not just for the 11, the apostles who were there with him, but it's for all of us. And we see that this command was given to the broader group of people beyond the apostles, even when Jesus walked the earth before he ascended. Acts 1.8, he says, but you'll receive power. Uh, Acts 1.8, I believe that verse is there. Great, fantastic. Um, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Verse 8, though, he says, but you will receive power and then the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be what? You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This matches this commission, right? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded. I love this moment as the disciples are, are sitting, the apostles are sitting with Jesus, and Jesus tells them, you're going to be my witnesses, and then he's lifted up. He ascends into heaven and they're looking up into heaven. He's gone. And while they're standing there looking up into heaven, the angels come down and ask this question. I don't have this verse for you, but it's later in Acts chapter 1. He says this, Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw him. And I, I feel that for, for many of us, that's where we like to stand. Standing, looking into heaven, waiting for his return. Whereas Jesus is commissioning us to go, be filled with the Spirit, and go make disciples. It's a good question we need to ask ourselves this morning. Why are we still standing, looking into heaven, or looking at each other? <laughs> we need to be going into a lost world, empowered by the Spirit of God. This commission of go, Matthew 28 Look at verse 19. Therefore, say it with me, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go. I think we could say this morning that uh, the opposite of that, we could say go instead of come, right? Go. 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 And this is a commission to go to a lost world, to find lost people and to share the gospel with them and as an ambassador for Christ to lead them to faith in Christ. Go, not come. Go. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. We invite people to church, right? If there's people here who were invited to church this morning. If you were invited to church this morning, you don't have to raise your hand, but you know who you are, right? Uh, welcome to our church. We're so glad you're here. Absolutely glad we're here. It's an incredible way, by the way, to, to be a witness for Christ by inviting someone to church. It's a fantastic way to share the gospel. Often we do so, we invite someone to church hoping, right, that whoever's speaking or whatever testimony they hear that day or whatever worship they listen to that day, they'll hear the gospel and maybe possibly they will give their life to Christ. They'll decide to follow Christ based on what they heard in church that day. 
And it's definitely God's plan that uh, people would hear proclamation of the gospel in a church setting like this, that you would hear the gospel, and hopefully that you would give your life to Christ. But the command of uh, going, sharing the gospel, is more is, is for everyone, not just for me. Or not just for this morning, Lange, who shared his testimony so powerfully. Not just for those who led us in worship this morning, but it is for the body of Christ. We like to use the terminology of, I'm going to church. We all use it, right? We say, I'm going to church, but who is the church? We are the church as children of God. It's actually impossible to go to church. The church can gather, but it's impossible to actually go to church. We are the church, and God has called the church to be responsible to go to a lost world. We are the church. We must gather. Yes, praise the Lord. We must gather as the church. But the command of Christ is to go. This is what happens when we gather. Gathering is important. Gathering is also God's will. Gathering is how it all starts and stays strong. It is in this gathering that prayers are lifted up, beseeching God for the boldness to go. Right? It is in these gatherings that we are taught God's word and where we love each other. It's in these gatherings that we are inspired to go. The, person, the purpose of this gathering is that we would nurture each other, we'd care for each other, we'd pray for each other. But primarily that we would beg God for confidence and boldness to go to a lost world. This is the pattern we see all through the New Testament is that when the church came together, yes, they needed to come together. They shared all their possessions. They took care of each other. They loved each other. But they begged God for power to go to a lost world. That's the point of our time here is that we would encourage each other to, to renew our love and attention to Christ so that we would be confident enough to go into a lost world and share the gospel. Go, not come. The gospel sends us outward from this. We see this evidence all through Scripture of people begging God when they came together just for confidence because we're afraid. We're scared of cats, right? We, we are afraid and we need to be empowered and emboldened by the Spirit of God. And we do so as we come together and we beg God together. And Lord, help us to be emboldened to go to a lost world. It's in those gatherings where the Holy Spirit gave them courage. It's in those gatherings where the Holy Spirit prompted them of where they should go and how they should pray and what they should do. Let us pray as New Song Family Church that God would make us bold so that we would be able not just to be here, but to go and to share the gospel. I wonder if we could just stop for a moment and that we could pray, and that one of you, two, two of you or so here this morning would voice and ask God for boldness and courage that we need as New Song Family Church to reach this world. Let's, let's bow, and one or two of you, just pray. And pray out loud so we can hear you. We want to hear you. Let's pray. spiritual realms in heavenly places, Lord, 
We pray for our children, Lord, that you will give us the energy, you will give us the spirit and the strength, Lord, to do your will, to return them unto you, for you have called them to be your children. Lord, we pray against all the enemies of the enemy that are casting and going against our children, Lord. We ask that your angels be bestowed upon them, to walk before them, to keep their path straight, Lord, and help us as adults, Lord, as your children also, to lead them in the path of righteousness. We pray all of this in Christ Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. We, we praise you, God. We know we can do nothing without you. And Lord, the world is overwhelming to us. Lord, but you've called us to be a, an ambassador to those who are lost. And Lord, you've empowered us to go. And so we ask God for your strength today. Lord, go before us as we share. Lord, begin to prepare hearts of those, Lord, who will hear our message. Lord, we pray that you would work miracles in people's lives, that they would praise you, they would know you. And Lord Jesus, use us, New Song Family Church, to go. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Go, not come. Go. Go, do what? Make disciples. Make disciples, not just converts. Make disciples. Our commission is to truly walk with people until they are fully walking with Christ. That's what a disciple is, a follower of Christ, who doesn't just share the gospel, but makes disciples. The calling is to make disciples, not just converts. There's a lot of people who say they believe in Christ, but don't follow Christ. There's a lot of people who've, quote, been born again, who maybe have a conversion experience, but not truly. They believe, but then nothing has happened ever since they were born into the body there's been no walking afterwards but that is not the plan of god god's commission is that we would actually walk in a way as you heard this morning from Longe, where the spirit of god gives him a spiritual gift and he uses that for the sake of god's glory when we come to faith uh, the spirit of god gives us spiritual gifts and these gifts are to be used for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom uh, that's what god asks us to do and that is how disciples are made. Paul, in his letters to the Ephesians, fleshes this out for us, I think, in a way that will help us understand better what the church is. Make disciples, not just converts. The commission is to make disciples, to, to walk with people until they are true followers of Christ, mature believers in Christ. The goal is maturity, not just birth. 
And God is inviting the church uh, to, to walk alongside people to truly make disciples, which comes with teaching, which comes with all different spiritual gifts. But let me read this to you. Ephesians 4, verse 7 says this. Uh, Paul said, however, he has given each one of us, what? A special gift through the generosity of Christ. And then he fleshes this out further in Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. A disciple is someone who uh, is following Christ in maturity, is following him and, and, and building up to the standard of Christ. The full expression of Jesus is through the church and through these spiritual gifts. Essentially what God, Jesus said, uh, to us was this, go make disciples. And then he says, wait for the spirit of God to come. That's what he commanded, right? Wait for the spirit. When the spirit comes, uh, then you'll, you'll be commissioned out to a lost world. And these spiritual gifts very much are, are given to us by God so that we can accomplish the purpose of truly effectively making disciples. Is everyone understanding what I'm saying this morning? This is God's plan. This is God's plan. Make disciples. Jesus said, Make disciples and hear the spiritual gifts so that you will be able to do it properly. I believe that is how God works. These spiritual gifts, according to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, are given to everyone, not just leadership. Now, I'm grateful to be a leader of a church. I'm, I'm grateful for the spiritual gifts that God has given me. But I'm very, very aware and probably maybe more so more aware than maybe some of you that this job as a leader of a church is impossible if I do it all by myself. The church does not function outside of the entire body of Christ working together. The design was never that there would be a few talented people who would speak once a week to you and try to inspire you. The church will not function, the church will not grow, the church will not multiply if all the work is being done by a few. The fact of the matter is, as we shared already this morning, uh, is that Jesus is the head of the church. I, I am in an assignment of, of nurturing and helping this church and guiding this church, but the head of the church is Christ himself. And Jesus speaks directly to all of his children, which forms the body of, the, uh, of Christ, the church. And so when we come together, God is commissioning every one of us to be part of the plan to advance the gospel to the nations. Healthy disciples, people who truly are disciples of Christ, understand this and are actively involved in the work of seeing that the nations worship him. The, nation, the work of actually people coming to faith, being true ambassadors for Christ. God has commissioned all of us for that task. Ephesians 4 says, that each one of us has a spiritual gift, Ephesians 4, verse 7. And then later he says, and these are the gifts that Christ has given to his church. Apostleship, right? The gift of apostleship, uh, the gift of prophecy, teaching, pastoring, uh, and um, evangelism. Those five gifts are given to the church. 
Now, outside of the letter to the Ephesians, there are other gifts, spiritual gifts that are listed throughout Scripture, also for the purpose of administering God's grace to each other, uh, making us more effective in our work. Uh, but these five are listed in the church as those that build up the church for maturity. These gifts are for the whole church. The thought that these five gifts uh, would only be limited to leadership uh, is where I think possibly the health of the church has been impacted and that we are not healthy uh, because only a few people believe that uh, they can receive these gifts. Only a few, very often it's a mistake of, of, of churches to believe that it's only the leadership that receives these gifts. These gifts are given to the whole church. I think maybe that each member of a local congregation would have at least one of these five. Although I can't make a strong case that, that every one of these gifts uh, will be uh, given to every single member of every local church. I do know that every one of us has a spiritual gift. What I'm sure of and what is scriptural, what is correct, the Bible teaches that everyone has a spiritual gift in this church and that the, these particular five gifts are, are given to more than leadership in any given local congregation. What I'm saying to you this morning is that God's plan is that you, in addition to me and other leadership in this church, have been called by God to participate in being evangelists, apostles, prophets, teachers. Uh, this is, this is what God has called all of us as a church to participate in, and that it's the full expression of Christ through his church, through these five gifts, that the church becomes healthy, mature, and operates like it's supposed to. Each of us has been given a gift, and, and potentially um, I would believe that you would have more than one gift. You would have potentially one of these five. You would definitely have a spiritual gift, but you might have more than one spiritual gift so that the church can function properly. I believe the Bible clearly teaches that these gifts ha have not uh, stopped being given to his church, uh, that these spiritual gifts are given to us today. And we see this evidence throughout the New Testament of after the apostles and the, the people of God who were serving in all the churches that were planted uh, after Jesus Christ rose again, we see this progression through the book of Acts that the Spirit of God worked effectively not just in the original apostles but in the disciples and the churches that were formed. The spiritual gifts are active today. Uh, Jesus has not returned. We are still part of this earth and Jesus continues to have the same mission and that is his gospel would expand to not just one generation of the new church, the New Testament church, but multiple generations that have followed that New Testament church the many generations who have come of the church, that Christ has actively moved by giving spiritual gifts to the church so that the church can be healthy and mature and that disciples can be made. The full expression of Jesus in the church is done through these gifts. The church will not function properly unless all these gifts are actually used. Typically, our churches today will emphasize possibly teaching and pastoring, those two only, and the gifts of prophecy, apostleship, uh, and evangelism are ones we just ignore, that we don't acknowledge. And I can understand why the church has come to that. We've seen 
where the gift of apostleship, uh, prophecy, and I've seen where the gift of evangelism has been used in ways that do not honor God. And so possibly we're dubious, we're leery uh, of this and, uh, and feel like possibly there's not a, a good way, an accurate way, biblical way for these gifts to be expressed. What is an apostle? An apostle is one who is sent, uh, a sent one, one who's, who goes, uh, whose heart is for the lost, uh, whose heart is for those places that have never heard the gospel. Apostles are the architect for mission. They're visionary. They're entrepreneurs. They're reproducing. They're the guardian of the gospel. Uh, they're, they're obsessed with sentness, this idea of going uh, of every believer. An evangelist. Uh, one person called the evangelist the linchpin of the church, the recruiter, the obsessed with conversion, great at explaining the gospel to people not following Jesus. Prophets. Wow. Uh, prophets, uh, probably one of the most abused spiritual gifts uh, in our day today and in the past. But this is truly a gift from God, is the gift of prophecy, justice-minded, challenges the status quo, and keeps us faithful to God. The Bible teaches us that the gift of prophecy is for the, um, the building up of the church, uh, for the comforting of the church, the encouragement of the church, the confronting of the church. Uh, so that the church would be built up in Christ. Teaching. Uh, this gift of teaching is the effective explanation of the commands of Christ. This gift for people to be able to expose the word of God in such a way that we understand it, that we can apply it to our lives. And then the pastors, the gift of, of pastoring, shepherding, is this ability to walk with, with compassion and comfort to lead the existing church, to walk alongside, to help people become mature and grow up. How this might play out uh, today. The apostle is sent by God to a place that has never heard the gospel or a place of great, loss, of great lostness like Europe or increasingly like the United States of America. He finds the lost people. Apostle would find these lost people, look for them, find them, and share the gospel in an effective way and begin the process of leading and gathering those believers together. He or she is passionate about finding and identifying lost people. Wants to find every single one. Doesn't want any lost person not to be found. Apostle goes, starts the work. Takes along with him an evangelist. The evangelist who keeps sharing the gospel everywhere. Uh, keeps throwing the seed of the gospel everywhere. Effectively convincing people that they should follow Christ. And the church begins to form through, these, through the apostle, through the evangelist, the prophet as well, uh, speaking encouragement, uh, comfort, and directing people uh, to follow Christ. All committed to the task of making disciples. Every one of these spiritual gifts moves people to the process of becoming true disciples. And then comes the teachers. The teachers effectively explain the living and the written word of God and help the church to apply these truths to their lives. Pastors, shepherd, walk alongside these new believers, lead the church to deepen their roots in Christ while identifying those within their midst who have also been given at least one of these five gifts, making sure that they don't neglect the call and the gift. The, the job of the pastor continues to remind us, like I'm trying to do today, 
that God has given you a spiritual gift and God has called us to go to a lost world. So go, not come. Make disciples, not just converts. And the command is for all of us, not just a few leaders. Go, make disciples. Paul taught this about spiritual gifts. I want to read this to you. We're told not to neglect our duties, not to neglect our spiritual gifts. That's what he said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was granted to you through words of prophecy with a laying on of hands by the council of the elders. He admonished Timothy to keep working, to work at it, to work hard at it. Do not neglect what God has given you. And I fear often in my own life that I neglect the spiritual gift that God has given me. And when we neglect as a church, we collectively neglect the spiritual gift that God has given us, then the church is unhealthy. The church is immature. The church does not grow because we have neglected what Christ has given to us. The call to make disciples is accompanied with the empowerment of the Spirit of God through His giftedness in these very specific areas. We're told in Scripture, again, prophecy is the one that is, is very often most loved and most hated by, by everyone. So this is what um, Paul said. Paul said, actually, we should desire the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may be able to prophesy, that you would be able to be able to, to bring the words of Christ to a crisis or bring the words of Christ uh, to help people in their life and their future, this gift of prophecy. So we should desire these gifts. We should not neglect them. We should desire them. And he goes on to say, just in case you hate these gifts, First Thessalonians 5 verse 20 says, uh, do not what? Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. In our day, we're going to hear a lot of people who claim to be prophets, right? You've heard a lot of people. There's a lot of people who like to be called prophet, dot, dot, dot. Uh, <laughs> we know them, right? And very often what they say are fabrications. Well, that's a nice way of saying they're lying. Prophecy also, too, is one of the most imitated of spiritual gifts by Satan. And we see scripturally that a lot of these gifts will be manifested, but not from God, but from Satan himself. And so we're careful, we're cautious, and we should be. Tests, hold fast, but hold fast to what is good. Test it. Test these gifts, but don't neglect your spiritual gift. Don't despise your spiritual gift. Desire spiritual gifts. Because it's the only way the church can grow up and become mature. It's the only way we can be healthy. It's the only way we can be united is if the spiritual gifts are actively part of our life. And we can only be healthy if every single member of the church is participating and using his gifts properly or her gifts properly. And may we not say we believe that these gifts are in play today, but then neglect these gifts or do nothing with our gift because we are afraid or we've overreacted to abuses we've seen. I'm guilty of saying that I believe in all the spiritual gifts, but then being a practical cessationist and that I don't practice the spiritual gifts. I believe they've ceased because I don't operate with them. 
by neglecting them, I walk in such a way that uh, I don't live in such a way to what I believe. And God calls us to continue to desire, to address, to work at these gifts and to use them so that the church can become mature, that the full expression of Christ can be in the body of Christ so that we can truly become disciples of Christ. That's the invitation. Ephesians 4, Paul helps us. A good summary of how these gifts are supposed to be used for the church. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 15. I'm going to read the verse before it as well. Then we will no longer be what? Immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will do what? Speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of Christ. The, the whole point of all these gifts, apostleship, prophecy, teaching, evangelism, and I always forget the last one. Thank you. The shepherding, pastoring. That's uh, what I'm trying to do today, but I forget what the gift is. Yeah. Uh, is that we use these gifts to speak the truth in love to a lost world and to each other. Uh, this is the calling of God. In our unique giftedness, we speak the truth in love. And the church then grows up, is united in faith and united in doctrine. And then one last clarifying point. Go and make disciples of all the nations. We could say all, not some. All. All the nations. Go, not come. Make disciples, not just converts. And make disciples of all the nations. All, not some. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. The problem is, is that you and I have trouble understanding all. We all do. We, our, our brain doesn't seem to have the capacity to wrap itself around the idea of many. We, we understand someone we know, someone we love, we can wrap our heads around that. Scientists tell us that we can possibly connect effectively to about 150 people. That's the capacity of our brain, is to, be, to consider family about 150. We can connect effectively to about that many people, some more, some less, depending on your capacity. But we have trouble understanding all. All is overwhelming. We can't even understand what all looks like, right? If, if I stand before you and describe myself to you, I'm wearing a pair of jeans, you're beginning to understand who I am. If I say, who is Brian Bullington? You understand that because you're looking at me today. But if I tell you, try to visualize a million people, you can't. Can anyone here? Can you visualize a million people? No, we struggle with that. We struggle. And so when Jesus says, go make disciples of all the nations, it's very difficult for us to understand it. But it's still the command of God is for all. Not based on our capacity, because our capacity is limited, but based on Christ's capacity. You know who does see a million people? Jesus. You know who sees the billions of people on earth? God. He sees every individual. He sees every one of their sufferings. He sees all of their problems. He sees their lostness. And he calls us to go 
He points them out to us and he says, share the gospel with that person. Go, go. Because God sees them even though we can't. All nations, all nations. All, not some, all. We just can't imagine it. And therefore, because we can't imagine it, we do nothing. And sometimes the numbers are so big that we are overwhelmed with the task. And therefore, we're so overwhelmed, what do we do? Nothing. We have an underwhelming response because we're so overwhelmed by the sheer numbers of people. We don't share the gospel to all because it's overwhelming. Many of us are scared of even one person, right? <laughs> Jesus says, go share Christ with that person over there. And we go, huh. God, do you know him? Do you know what you're asking me to do? Look at him. God, why don't you just go tell him yourself? God calls us to all. Lord, help us to see with your eyes. God will send us to a person, and then all of a sudden that person becomes real to us. We get their, we get their name. We hear their story. And God helps us then to fall in love with that person, to lead them, to love them to Christ. That's our job. I think of Tina, who worked in it, who was part of a student group I was part of years ago. And I didn't think much of her until I got to know her. Uh, I taught her Sunday school, and um, I, I was broken one Sunday morning in Sunday school uh, by her life. She told me her story of her life. This is a very difficult, difficult life that she had. And my heart was broken for her. And she asked for help, and I said, well, you know, I really the only help that I can help you with, to begin with at least, is that you need to know, do you know Jesus? She said, no, I don't. So well, you need to choose to follow Christ. Uh, that morning she prayed. She prayed, and she asked God to be her Lord and Savior. And she became a child of God. Uh, soon thereafter, she was, um, she was raped by a 16-year-old boy. And she was left for dead uh, in a ditch on the side of the road. And uh, I was called to, when they found her, I was called to go to the hospital, and I met her. She was uh, deeply injured, and I met her father, uh, her father who wanted to kill this boy. And all of a sudden, uh, this Tina who I knew, who I'd led to faith, uh, actually became more part of my life. She... Uh, became someone that I just was heartbroken for, that I loved. Um, I can't stop thinking of, of this young lady who was so traumatized by this world but so transformed by Christ uh, because uh, God had me go and meet her and get to know her. Uh, my heart is, is still with her very much. I think about her often in my life. And this has been many, many years ago. But that's what God does. God calls us to people we don't know, we have no connection to. And we, we get into their lives and we hear their stories. Tina was, was fully healed, recuperated completely, and um, is, is a child of God today, of course. We can understand that, right? We can connect to that. But this morning, if I tell you to love the millions... You have no heart connection to the millions. 
But you won't forget Tina this morning, will you? Tina, who needed Christ and who gave her life to Christ. And I got to be the one who, who led her to faith. God invites us to the, to the millions of individuals who God will give you a love for. And God will increase your love for them as you continue to share the gospel. Lord, help us to be broken for lostness. Help us to see the global stage. Help us to understand. Make us aware of what we cannot see. God, uh, burden us for the ones that we can't even relate to. God, give us spiritual gifts so that we can, we can be led to places that we know not of. We can meet people we've never seen before so that we can be ambassadors for Christ. God calls us to all, all the nations, based on his capacity. All, not some. Let's pray. Lord, we, we praise you. We thank you. Lord, we thank you for this full day. And Lord, maybe we be compelled by your power to go out to a, a lost world, Father, and make disciples. Lord, you've, you've, you've commissioned us outward. Lord, as we're strengthened inward, Lord, you commission us to go out. And so, Lord, make New Song Family Church truly, Lord. Let them embrace their spiritual gifts, Father. And, and Lord, may we be obedient to your call uh, to a lost world. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the privilege it is to serve you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's worship together. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.